see if it was working up. Can you hear me? Me? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, see, I got your visual, but I don't have your audio. Let me see. I um thank you. I clicked on the um I clicked on both the audio. Maybe if I sign out, should I sign out? Can you hear me? Okay, I got you. I got you. I got you. Good, 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 good. Got you. Got you. You can hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, that's what's up. What's good, baby? What's good, man? What's good, man? We got it all, oh, man. I gotta go from the beginning. Let me uh, let me come back. Let me come back. Yeah, let's come back and get it right. All right. Let me come back. Let me come back. Uh yo, it's um Death of the Cloud Chaser TV, man. We back up in this thing again, man. We got a special guest online, man. Special guest, can you introduce yourself and let them know where they can follow you at? Yeah, yeah, it's a little windy. Yeah, yeah, I was outside. I'm about to step in, man. Stay with me. Ah, uh, got you, got you. Go yeah, it's tragedy, Gaddafi and tell the hold them, bro. Exactly, man. It's a big, uh, man. Appreciate you even blessing our platform, man. Doing us this favor, man. We really appreciate you. No doubt, no doubt. Got you. Hold on one second. Uh, yeah, I'm in the man cave right now. I had to come in here so you don't get all that music in the background. What's good, baby? Salute, salute, man. So look, man, what we like to do on Death with the Cloud Chaser podcast, man, we like to ask questions. May the other podcast might have missed, man. And like, right. um... Like even going back, man, you, you know, you, you going into music at twelve years old is at the time when you had uh Percy Peters on name. Now nah, my yeah no, actually my my first my first rap name was Percy MC Percy. That's my government name. That's my honorable name. But yeah, that's like way back. I was like yeah, like twelve years 12 old. Twelve years old. Okay, so yep. twelve years old, man. Like you running around, uh, like is this is this during the time when you was with um Molly Mall and uh Fly Tie and everything, like the whole Juice World, uh, the Juice Crew All Stars? Well, actually, this is when I was MC Percy. This is before I got in, got uh enlisted into the Juice Crew. I was actually with a um a local DJ who later later on became famous in his own right. And he would go by the name of DJ Hot Day, who was actually from Queensbridge too. He actually um he actually went on to do his own things with uh Mega and produce some tracks. He actually produced the track on one of Nas's albums as well. But he was actually my first DJ when I was MC Percy before I even was with the Juice Crew. So when you go on when you like so when you go from there to the Juice Crew, is that when you um change your name? Um I changed my name prior to going to the Juice Crew, but shortly after I um I changed my name, that's when I got with the Juice Crew because I did a record called Coke Is It, The Tragedy, and um that's how I got my name, Tragedy. The streets, people in my hood started calling me Tragedy. You know what I mean? So I got Tragedy, got the name Tragedy, and right after that, that's when I got uh 
initiated into the famous world-renowned Juice Crew All-Stars. Dope, dope, dope. Yeah, they definitely um, All-Stars. And it's like, like with that part of history, a lot of people don't know about the, the Juice Crew All-Stars, you know. And um, you been, you was the youngest one, correct? Yeah, I believe I was the youngest one or close to the youngest because, again, at, initially um, Craig G was in the group before I was and we was around the same age. I think I'm a little younger than him, but, you know, I was definitely one of the younger members as well. But um, it consisted at that time of uh, Roxanne Shantae, of course, MC Shane, um, Biz Markey, Koji uh, Matt and DJ Polo, of course, Molly Marl and... Um, uh, Big Daddy Kane. Later on, uh, what's the name? Uh, Master Ace got into the crew as well. You know what I mean? Got you. Did you have a relationship with uh, Frito, uh, Frito Anthony Young? Frito Anthony Young? Yeah. Who's that? Did you have a... That's supposed to be uh, Marley Marl's cousin. Oh, you talking about Frito? Yeah. Yeah, that was my man. Yeah. Got you. Yeah, that was my man, of course. Got you, yeah, man. So, like, when like during this time, I know you we we going like kind of back and forth with the um the, when you was um you know going when you were still with the DJ DJ who was that high high um, yeah DJ Hot Day, and then we going back and forth with Molly Mark. Like when it came to that, like was like who gave you your first initial star when it came to a record deal. Um, my first initial start when it came to a, a record deal was kind of myself. Um, me and Hot Day, before we even got down with Molly, we put out our own record. We pressed up our own record, and that was called Go Queensbridge, live from USA. USA was a skating rink in, um, in, Qu- in Long Island City, and Hot Day happened to be a DJ there. And we performed the record there live, and we ended up pressing our own record up and um, serving it and selling it. And it was on Hot Day Records. And it was wild because back then that was unheard of for artists, especially at our age, to press up our own records and put it out independently. Gotcha. Was it, so it was an independent game because a lot of people will credit – um, the Bay Area, California. So you saying that it was an independent game on the East Coast, even during that time. You talking the eighties, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we definitely talking the eighties, and we talking early mid eighties. Um, what I, what it is is that what I think it is is that um, the reason why like uh, the the West and the um, Midwest got accredited for you know being successful in the independent game more so than artists on this side, is because they were forced to. See, we pre- we did the independent thing, but we got on quicker with the majors. And in the West Coast, in certain areas, they didn't get on as quick, so they had to keep going independent, which in, in, you know, which in essence was better for them. You know what I'm saying? Because they gained more power and more control and was able to write their own ticket when they finally did get to a major or a major distribution company. You know what I'm saying? But they weren't the first to set it off with that. Nah, that's not true. Yeah, because yeah, I always, when I hear stories, that's why I mean, you just said that it brought to my attention, especially, you know, we speaking on history. But um, 
you know, even going into history, man, like your whole rap style, like uh, that was like that's how you end up getting with the uh, the Juice Crew, correct? All stars because of your rap style. Like a lot of people yeah. wasn't using big words during that time. Yeah, well, I mean, and I have to credit that to me learning from like G Rap, LL, Cool J, and Rakim, and many artists before them. And it wasn't so much that I was using big words. It's just, you know, the way I was raised, you know, I was raised with with my mother making sure that I read and making sure that I kept my head in the books too. Even though I was in the street, even though my mother was in the street, she was real, uh, she was real strong on me being in the book. So it wasn't so much I was using to everybody else I was using big words. To me, that that was my natural vocabulary. Right. Right. But at during that time though, that, that style, like even today, they you know, um going into you know what we know and go thinking back and looking back, right? We see that yeah. your style is still being used to this day. Hold on a second. It's still being used to, to this day. So um like do you do you like do you feel like unappreciated appreciated when it comes to this? It's like not that I feel and, Nah, I, I don't feel unappreciated at all. And I get that I get those kind of questions a lot. You know, like one of the things is this, man. Like those that know, they know. They know my contributions and you know, people that respect it and understand the art and understand what it took, you know. Um, in terms of, you know, me and what I gave to it and what I added on to this culture called hip hop, you know, they recognize me for it. And they, you know, I'm I'm compensated for that and I'm valued. You know, a lot of people pay me homage in certain ways, some are monetarily and some are just by, you know, major salutes. But those that know, they know. So I don't feel um I don't feel unappreciated. I feel I'm I feel very appreciated. I feel I get a lot of love and I and I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Like I get love from people, you know, who tell me like it was my first album Intelligent Hullum that motivated them to go to college and become lawyers right, and get right. into politics and become, you know, community activists and social activists, like and and go on to, you know, become entrepreneurs and, and self-employed business people and go into, you know, different business ventures through my music. So that's that's that gives me a certain kind of content and that gives me a certain kind of satisfaction to know that I help add on to some type of progression through my music. So I feel great. Definitely, definitely. So when you had like um so like even with your first album, you just spoke on your first album. So like your first album, can you talk about some type of adversity that you had to come across, like um that fans might not know about? Oh, like make man. it doing the whole process. Well, one of the first first things I went through with my first album that came as a as a as a as a way of adversity to me. Yeah. Yo, hold on one second. Hold on, my previous album. Was- Hold on one second. Yo, can you turn it down a little bit? Hello, sir. Hold on, y'all bear with me. Hold on one second. Hold on one second, fam. Hold on, let me get the music down. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm back. Call me, man. No, no problem. With the, with the fam right now, you know what I'm saying? We in the cave right now, so we got the music up and all that. But um, yeah. One of the one of the one of the adversities I went through with the first joint was that I didn't really know the business like that. You know what I'm saying? I ain't understand yeah. the business. And me being young, you know what I'm saying? Like I looked to my man as as like a big brother, and I put him in a, a position that, and I realized later that wasn't fair to him because I put too much responsibility on him for my shit, and that's Molly Mall. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's one of the challenges I faced later because. Early in the game, you know what I'm saying? We just wanted to come out and make, make music and make records and be nice. We didn't understand the business aspect of this shit. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, once I realized the business aspect and, and the, the diversities of that and the complications of that, you know what I'm saying? Then I was faced with the challenge of getting out of the situation and trying to negotiate and create a better advantageous situation for me business-wise. You understand? So now I go from getting my first coming home from prison at 18 off a bid. I'm home six months. Now I got a major record deal and I got 200,000 in my bank account. At that, I never seen that type of money right. at that time. But what they don't tell you is once you get that paper, you know what I'm saying? You're going to have a hundred motherfuckers in your pocket. You're going to get up. You're going to have a motherfucker telling you he's your accountant and he's going to, all he's doing is helping you pay your bills and shit. You know what I'm saying? He's fucking just you putting your money in his in their bank account for them to pay your bills. You can do that shit on your own. You gonna have another motherfucker tell you they're your manager. You know what I'm saying? But they in your pocket too, and you're gonna have all these all these uh uh recruitment charges back to the label. And by the time you realize it, you done ran through your your first advance. Now you on your second album, and you owing back you owing back the money on your fucking first album. These are things I didn't know in the game because I looked for Molly to teach me that. And I ain't going to lie for a while. I was, I was, you know, I had some feelings about that shit. But as I got older and matured in the game and learned the business, I realized that that wasn't necessarily his fault. You know what I'm saying? Right. When you, when you go into a situation, you just like in the streets, you don't jump in the streets and just jump out and just move and circulate in the streets. At least not in my era. You couldn't do that. You had to know what type of fucking lane you was getting into. Or else you would get sauteed and fried. The same thing with business. You got to know what type of lane you're getting into. Once you realize the lane you're getting into, then you you know you mark your goal or whatever, and you go at what you go at realistically, knowing what you know, going into it, knowing what you want to get out of it. I didn't know none of that shit. None of that shit. I'm just like, oh shit, I got I want, I got a deal. I'm just coming home from Elmira. Right. I come from the projects. Like I ain't have shit coming up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, if I had a pair of sneakers, it was if I had a new pair of sneakers, it was from a cousin, an older cousin or some shit that wore them shits and just gave them to me. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't know what it's like to have no bread. So now I got this, this fucking check. I, when I got that check, I would just, I ain't touched that shit for like two months. I just kept going to my bank and looking at that shit, like, oh shit, like this is real, this is mine. So I didn't know about none of that shit. And when that shit, you know, when I got hit with that reality. I was like, damn, like, what the fuck is this? Like, nobody put me on to this. Nobody told me about all these recruitments and all this fucking interest on this money. Like, I ain't borrowed this shit. I thought, I make the record, you give me the money, it's mine. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, it's my bread. Like, nah, you gotta, you know, you know, it's a whole lot of shit to that. So that was the biggest challenge. And then they just got bigger and bigger and bigger and more shit started coming. You know what I mean? So 
I had to get out of that situation the best way I could. I got you. So like uh like moving forward a little bit, um, when it came to um your relationship with Nas during this time, did your relationship with Nas come right after this period or not yet? Nah, it was before that. I mean, we we from the same project, so right. it was like you 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 may not necessarily know dudes like that at first, but you know them because you're in the same area, so you know them in passing, or you know they cousin or they brother or they moms or some other shit. It's, you know, they just know each other, but they're like around right at the, after that, like around right at that time, that's when I started getting to know him as, you know, him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Instead of just seeing him around, you know what I mean? Right. He started getting recognized as his own, you know, his own force or whatever. Like far as like on the rap side, because some people would say that uh, your style is uh, like Nas or Nas style is like yours. Have you heard that comparison? I mean, you're going to hear that, man. Like bottom line is this, man. Like he got his own style. I got my own style. Has our style, were our styles influenced by, was his style influenced by mine? I would, I would think so. I came before him. You know what I'm saying? Is it, is he, does he have my style? Nah. Just like, you know, I was influenced by Rakim and L and G rapping them. You know what I'm saying? You're going to take a little bit from everybody plate. That's how we learn. That's how this shit move on. I mean, yeah, no, I don't get into all of that. Yo, he got my staff shit. Nah, son got his own lane. That's obvious, man. God bless him, man. Absolutely. So when it comes to, um, you know, the whole, like, there's a lot of people like in the comments, they right now, they want to hear, like a really Nas mob deep CNN story. Like you, you, you got a story that you probably never told nobody. Listen, I'm gonna I'm say this, man. Like, if you want them type of stories, man, you got to get at them. You know what I'm saying? I'm not giving up no personal stories on our personal lives because, you know, what I'm saying that'll be an infringement on my friendship with them brothers, and we don't do that. 100. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing this interview on my story, right. and if if my story happens to intertwine with them with their story. And it kind of does at times, then we could get into that. But this trash story right now. Yeah. So like Gaddafi, Gaddafi. Yeah. But even like, you know, they're definitely um a part of your story. So you meeting on um, Capone and Noriega and, um you know, a lot of people will credit the whole the whole deal. They first deal. You was yeah. behind it. Right. As well as um Combat Jack. Um, can you- all right. All right. Hold on. Wait. Hold on real quick. Respectfully. I know where you're going. Right. Right. Um. If we're going to talk about my influence and my vision in regards to the war report, I'm with that. If we're going to talk about, first of all, Combat Jack is not here to defend himself. Right. Respectfully, that man passed away. You didn't hear me speak too much about him when they were doing it when he was alive. And I'm not going to do it in his passion because I just don't breathe like that. Um, You already know the story. Somewhat of what of, of different fragments you heard, I could tell right. by the way by what you're asking me. Now, do I agree with what was said? No, I don't, and I voice that. But I'm not going to keep rehashing that because I'm in it now and I'm doing shit now. You know what I mean? Definitely, 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 definitely. So, you know, like you're still in that era, man. But you know, even like with the situation now, like far as uh, rappers and you know, East Coast, West Coast. Um, you came out with the song "La La." Like, how did that come about? Was you just told to be on the verse, or did you? Um, wait, what do you exactly? What you asked me, like, like the song "La La." Yeah. 
how did it come about? Like, you know, due to the content on the song and you yeah, know, right. West Coast, East Coast situation? Was yeah, it like, well, um, somebody did they tell you to do it or was it like your idea? Nobody, nah, nobody, nobody, nobody tells me to do anything. You know what I'm saying? If somebody give me some good advice I can add on to my life with, then you know what I'm saying? I utilize it, but nobody don't tell me to do nothing. Um, I came up with that idea because they went at New York. I felt like they came over here and, and just violated and nobody, there was no response to it. Like that was insane to me. That was crazy. Like this is New York. Like this is the Mecca of this shit. Like that's, it's crazy to me. Like fucking, you know, New York not having a fucking, you know, NBA ring championship was crazy to me. Like this is New York, like hip hop, like how are we going to let somebody just violate this side of things? It's disrespectful. And also, too, I saw it as a business strategy. Nobody was really giving my group the the, the attention I felt they should get so so we could get the bag I felt we, we should get. So I saw it as an op- opportunity. I was like, oh, all right, this is perfect. Look at hip-hop history. Everybody got on. You know, anybody who got on through battling, it seemed to work. Karis won, you know what I mean? Uh, Roxanne. I mean, we could go on and on and on. You know what I'm saying? Like, through the whole battling thing, a lot of dudes made careers out of that. So I saw it as the perfect opportunity. And I saw it as a way to defend New York. This is New York. I rep this. I'm from here. So I put it together and said, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to get the, I'm gonna get not only my artists involved, but some of the artists like I respect or whatever. And I reached out to certain people and they backed up. They didn't want to do it. And, um... The people that did do it, obviously, Mob and uh, CNN and me, myself, we went on to make the record, and the shit, it came off. It, it popped. I mean, right? No, it's definitely um history, man, and um uh, legendary. You know, what I'm saying Le- legendary song. I was actually listening to it before we went live, and um, so like when it comes to you know like the industry and just people having um uh, the mic, the mic kind of breaking up. My mic, give me a second. Yeah, you got me. You hear me yeah. now? Yeah, I can hear yeah, you. you can hear me. I was hearing you. I, I was hearing you before. I was just breaking up. Go ahead. Yeah. So, like when it, like when it comes to, um, you know, we talked about bad deals and, uh, bad relationships. Like, it's always been, um, you know, a situation inside the industry where. You the know, CNN deal. The CNN deal. No, no, right, not, not even. Go ahead. Nah, the CNN deal. I already know what time it is. I do this shit all the time. Bottom line is this, man. I'm not going to get into all the dynamics of that because I just had a talk with one of the bros about that. A real, We had a real conversation. Um, And it's, this kind of correlates to the question you was going into with Combat Jack, right? And um, again, again, I can't, I'm not going to delve too deep into that. One, for a couple of reasons. One, I already answered it. And two, there was a lot of miscommunication around that whole situation. And three, what was how, how it was presented via Combat Jack, who's not here to defend himself. I'm going to say this. Um, one, I wasn't even for that deal. Two, Two, um, like we all said later, that was 
that decision to do that deal was based on the town, period, point blank. And that's not that's not necessarily the uh the burden of responsibility for me to carry that because I didn't put no guns to nobody and make them sign nothing. And and overall, if you look at the situation, if it was really like that, dudes, you know, dudes wouldn't have got out of got out of later situations. So that whole deal, um, you know, yo, I, they they got they I, they got taken advantage of in the deal. Nobody forced nobody to do no situation in that deal, man. Everybody went into that, you know, what I'm saying with their eyes open and knowing what they was doing. But what happens is. Later on, when dudes learn their value and see how they can shake it a little better, you know, they look back and they say, damn, well, maybe I shouldn't have did that. Or maybe I shouldn't have went into it that way. But at the end of the day, those are my brothers. And you know what I'm saying? They went on to do great things. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, Like when it came to like now, now, like I was talking about the bad deals in the industry of some sort. But like, did you like what's the situation on? The Master P, as well as Ice Cube situation, is it still a uh, an ongoing situation with you and them? I have no, I have no situation with Ice. Well, you mean you mean Ice Cube? You said Ice C. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Yeah. Um, I have no situation with Ice Cube. Ice Cube was sent a, a letter, a cease and desist letter, from my attorney's firm, and that letter was basically stating that they were no longer to release, solicit promote or market the single arrest the president. I didn't sue Ice Ice Cube. I I basically put a I, I put a I put a cease to that single because it was my single initially and he basically took the whole concept and didn't show no honorarium. Now with Master P I sued Master P because he didn't just take a single. Master P took the whole album concept. And, you know, as you know, any artist, man, artist and or group, there are certain albums that they will make that identify them as an artist. That 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 basically, you know, marks their, marks their foundation in history or in, you know, in music. Or, or their legacy, and Intelligent Hoodlum is is a major part of my legacy. So for him to take that is like him stealing my identity. You know what I'm saying? I don't had dudes like, oh, he's on some money shit. He's just trying to get money now. If somebody takes your fucking identity and and blow and and fucking uses your credit, they're fucking robbing your identity. Like you're gonna fucking go at them. It's a similar situation with that album. And I know that I know that you didn't want to talk about Combat Jack because um you know he's not out here with us anymore. You know, so RIP to uh, Combat Jack. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to Combat Jack in that um whole Mayno situation, do you give Combat Jack the credit for releasing that to the industry? Do I give him the credit for what? Releasing the information that you that you and Mayno had a situation back in the day. Um, do I give him the credit? Well, basically, you seen what he did. Like right. he kind of he kind of he kind of he kind of baited him into the question when he didn't when he didn't even bring it up to talk about it. Hold on one second. 
he he baited him into that question or answering that question when he wasn't even bringing it up to talk about it. Pardon me, man. We we over here celebrating too, so had to move away, my people. I want I want you to hear me clearly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah, like did I? I thought that was I thought that was distasteful of combat, Jack. I thought that was very distasteful. But um, like I said, man, you know the brother he passed on. He's not here to um defend himself or you know rebuttal any statements I make right now. But I did feel he was uh distasteful for that because you know sometimes like like the name of your show. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like the name of your show. Right. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, unfortunately a lot of times, you know, a lot of people are all about clout chasing. You know what I mean? So yeah. I felt like our relationship was more than that. Right. You know? Uh, I completely understand. But um, you know, when you when you heard that and if you had if you had time to respond because you was incarcerated, correct? Um, well, at first, at first, the, the, the interview with, that he had with Mano, I believe I was out. I believe, oh no, I was actually, I was incarcerated and I got out, I got out shortly after and, um, I didn't even respond to it. And one of the major, major reasons why I didn't respond to it at that time was because, how can I say it? Like where I come from, bro, hold on, let me say this. The era I come from, right? Uh, I come from a different era, and I didn't understand at that time. I didn't understand journalism. Yes. And had I spoke at that time, I might have said or put myself in a situation that I might not have benefited from at the present time or even later. Because I would have just spoke with my feelings. And, you know, it's not always good to do that. In fact, it's a lot of times it's not good to do that. But like I said, I come from an era where, you know, integrity and honor goes a major way. You know what I'm saying? The respect. Right. And I, I felt like when I saw certain things and certain actions, the way the way people were carrying themselves... I looked at it as a very, I looked at it as an offense and a very, a very strong sign of disrespect. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm not into that. But like I said, I, I realized some things later, and I became aware of things later in terms of sensationalism and what people will do to, you know, the clout chase and what people will do to create more sensationalism for the sake of what they deem or define as fucking journalism. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I say all that to say, you know, and, and I'm not dancing around shit because I, I don't really know how to do that. But um I wasn't I wasn't feeling that because like I said, you know, one, he baited the dude into the situation and two, overall it was like, yo, bro, like we we supposed to be brothers. Like me and his personal connection was way deeper than business. You know that, and a lot of people don't know that. And you know, I was, I was really, I was kind of shocked. But like I said, man, you know, you live and learn, and you see where people are at. And I, I and I'm gonna say this sincerely, like I'm thankful now because what it did was it just taught me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. No, I understand. So, like, when you when you have um, you know, like that whole situation with um, Mayno, y'all put it, y'all, it's behind you now, right? It's definitely behind me, and I, you know, I assume it's behind him too. I mean, you know, um, you 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 move on from shit, man. Things happen. You move on. It definitely shit like that is never gonna break me or 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 be a factor. In fact, I'm not even gonna talk about that shit anymore. Like, you'll be the last person that I even respond to on it. You know what I mean? On it. And like um, you know, we was just talking about you being incarcerated like that um particular time. But can we talk about like the first time you was incarcerated coming off of um you know your success? Like well, what type of feeling was that? Because a lot of people they never they will never hear a story like that, you know what I'm saying? Because there's only few people who can actually tell that story. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I um unfortunately I grew up in a time where, you know, there were a lot of uh there were a lot more pitfalls and 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 and, and traps that ensnare us as young black men, especially when you know you come from a you know a broken home, so to speak, or a dysfunctional home. So you know when you're when you come from these type of situations and you're you're basically left to fend for yourself and navigate through life for yourself. But the closest thing to you at that age or that at that time is the streets, you you get into the streets. And that's never a good thing for us. Because it wasn't designed for us to be successful. It was designed to destroy us. It was designed to destroy us on whatever side of the spectrum we were on, whether we were hustlers, um uh stick up kids, thieves, extortionists, whatever. Whatever side of the game you fell on or you, you occupied or functioned on, it was it was in place to ultimately destroy you. So I got caught up in things at a young age and you know I had to pay the consequences to society for it. When I did my first bid, it was a little different because you know when you're young, you uh you basically got time. You know, but when you get older, it's a little different. You know what I'm saying? And you, you, your face with more, more ramifications and more in-depth consequences. You know what I'm saying? That affect your life and the lives of your families and your loved ones. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I say that to say, like, the older you get, the more this shit hurts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. That that's definitely uh something. And then, like, you know. People, um, they come in on your um alleged drug use. Is this was this was this an issue? Why you had got incarcerated? Nah, man. I mean, that me 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 fucking fucking with drugs and all that. That had nothing to do with. Actually, I was involved. I was involved with some shit in the street that I shouldn't have been. You know, I should have been cut ties with, and I got caught up in a situation. And I had to deal with it, you know what I'm saying? I had to I had to be accountable for it, you know what I'm saying? Um in terms of in terms of fucking in terms of drug use, I don't know what that's about, but you know what I mean? I was definitely um I definitely had a hand in the street, so to speak. Gotcha. 
I don't want to keep you long, man. I appreciate you even doing this interview with us. Um, I know we had someone asked us some questions about Charm the Warm. Oh, yeah, man. Like, Charm the Warm is like a little brother to me. Unfortunately, he's he's down right now. He's incarcerated. But he's taking that time to, you know, better himself and strengthen himself. Like, even, even you know, and I'm very proud of him. You know what I'm saying? He's actually working on, I don't know if I'm speaking on this prematurely. I hope not. But um, I know that he's working on a book. And based on his life story, I know it's going to be a very epic and interesting work of art and piece of work. And um, I'm excited to hear about it and read it. Um, Like I said, very, very intelligent young man, good brother, but just got caught up in unfortunate situations that I feel he's, you know, doing excessive time for. Um, But like I said, he's bettering himself and he's taking that time to advance himself you know, the best way he can. And, you know, same same way, such as myself, on the, on, the, on the opposite side of the spectrum, I'm out here bettering myself, living clean, living healthy, taking care of myself, becoming more health conscious, you know what I'm saying, and being more active and trying to, you know, help artists and help young people and, and be more, you know, be more active in, in the community and, and social hip-hop as well. Okay, okay, cool, cool. And do you want to, uh, we got a um, caller, got Blizz on the line. You want to uh, take a couple of questions from um, outside of the platform? Yeah, who's on the phone? Uh, Blizz. Yeah. Blizz, Blizz, where you from, brother? East New York, Brooklyn. Peace. Peace, 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 Lord. You got any questions for uh, the brother? Yeah, yeah, I deal with a lot of youth. Um, I deal with a lot of young fathers. My platform is, is prevention as far as keeping them up out of the penal institution. Can you explain uh, what was your first day like in the penal uh, institution and what was your last days like? Um, my first days in the, in the, in the penal institution were was a lot of... Uh, me observing, man, and um, just reflecting on, you know, just to keep it green with you, just reflecting on how the fuck did I get here. But, you know, like I said, man, if anyone knows a little bit about my story and my history, I've been in prison a couple times. But the first time when I was younger, there was definitely fear there, but it was more fear of the unknown. Like, I went to prison when I was, you know, in the 80s when shit was a lot crazier, you know what I mean? And well, that's what that's what the kids need to know. They need to understand that first experience from that era, from that time yeah. period when the island was the island, when up north was up north. Yeah, you know um, they need to yeah. know because they're not getting it from credible sources right now. I mean, I think in prison, you know, going through the island, going through the system, you know what I'm saying? What was, other than fear, what did you observe uh, that these kids could use to keep them up out of that, that situation? Um, For one, what I observed with, with, with a lot of young people today is that something something that's totally different from when I was young is that they 
I was in, I was in, I, w- I can't speak for everybody's situation, but when I look at some of these young, younger, younger people today, looking around and they situation, some of them like have their parents at home and have good family situations and, and, and things like that. You know, no family's perfect, but some of them have more of a foundation or a lot more of a foundation in terms of a family structure than I ever. One thing I see that they lack that I had, even when I had like the broken of broken homes, I had hope. I had hope and no matter what, I focused on the fact that I wanted to be an MC and I wanted to be one of the best at what I did and I love music. And that kept me, honestly, that saved my life. And what I see with a lot of young people today is that they don't have hope and they just kind of like gave up in a sense within themselves. And that's crazy. And anytime you do that, you're going to have a I don't give a fuck type of mentality towards the world and ultimately towards yourself and you're going to end up in fucked up shit like that. So to me, like one of the main things in keeping our young people out of prison is not just giving them something to do. You know, like a lot of people, yo, the kids need something to do. Yeah, they need something to do, but they all need things to do that cater to what they want and cater to what they dream and what they have passion for. And it seemed like not enough of us is taking the time out for our young people to do that. Yeah, I, hear, I definitely hear that. But the, the, what what is the deterrent? Because we know we're dealing with a, a population that really is not listening to uh, someone you would consider an old time or OG or been around for a long time. So what what, what would you give them from your experience that would have a deterrent effect on them as far as what you witnessed and, and the emotions that came with? I mean, I mean, I think I know where you're coming from. What I mean, well, I can't, I used to feel like that. Like, you know, they're not respecting a lot of OGs. But to me, it's, what it is, is with, with that with that type of thing is that a lot of them see through the bullshit, too. And they don't fuck with a lot of OGs. And, it's, and in that sense, it's not a difference. And when I was coming up, when you had dudes coming in the name of God, body, and, you know, but there wasn't sure living, the same dudes coming in the name of God was giving you a pack of crack to sell. And trying to put a gun in your hand, trying to put a gun in your hand and send you on a suicide mission because they knew if you got caught, you wouldn't do as much time. And you were easy to manipulate and influence. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, that's, that's the same, you know, same type of... Uh, 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 recycling going on now where, you know, a lot of the young people they don't respect the OGs because they see through the bullshit and you can't just come with an OG badge without putting that work in in terms of being being relatable and relating to the youth. You can't just come like, yo, I'm the OG and pull up. They don't respect that. And you know what? You can't blame them. They're not supposed to respect that. Respect is earned. You know what I'm saying? It ain't just given. So, I don't really jack the fact that a lot of young people don't respect the OGs. I know a lot of pe- young people that call me on a regular basis for my advice. They just they just real with their shit, and you know what I'm saying? They not taking no $3 bill shit 
They want real organic shit. Exactly, and that, and that organic shit has to be uh, coming from, like you said, a real honest place. So the transparency effect of, of what you went through, Blackie's uh, yeah. Island, um, you know, drug game, um, uh, whether it was consuming drugs, whether it was hustling drugs, you know what I'm saying? did anything anything you do anything you do is gonna shape how you how you move you know what I'm saying whether that be for a positive or for a negative I mean definitely a lot of my experiences caused me to to to, to raise my awareness shit is real like and once you raise your awareness you get to see things from a different angle and like when I went through the system and went through the streets at a certain degree, hold on one second, went through the streets at a certain degree, whether that been surviving the streets, hustling, or doing whatever I had to do out there to win, I learned, and I learned in different ways that, you know, ultimately, this is not going to be anything good. Ultimately, all this is going to do is take from me and Ultimately, you know, in the end, it could take my life like I've seen it do with a lot of my friends and brothers that I grew up with. You know what I'm saying? And when you start looking at that more and more, even me, as hard-headed as, hard as I was or am, <laughs> I, had to, I had to look at that because I got, I started to age and get older and, you know, make children and families. And now I'm watching and seeing how precious time is and it changes you. And it shouldn't, a person shouldn't have to get to that point to recognize when it's time to change for the better within their lives. You know what I'm saying? But I don't make, I, I don't make excuses for myself because I am who I am and I am what I am and I love myself and I know I'm blessed. You know what I'm saying? And I know, you know, that's why you're asking me these type of questions because we both know that I'm one of the few people still in this culture, in this business, in this game. Right. That like I said, you got uh you got three decades in the game. Right? You know that three yeah. decades, you know, in between the streets and prison, there was a lot of experiences that people can, you know, learn from. You know what I'm saying? Would you Hell yeah. Island, did you witness people uh hanging up committing suicide and witness people oh, all type of stuff. Listen, all type of stuff. Know? The first time the first time I went up north one of the dudes that I went up with on the bus, he got raped. You know what I'm saying? This and, is what I'm talking about. And that shit was crazy to me. That shit was crazy to me. Um, it affect yo, that shit. Yo, the, the only way I can explain that shit is like, I don't know if anybody out there or yourself has ever get, been shot or stabbed. Like, I got shot a few times. I got stabbed. And the first time I got stabbed, I got stabbed and, and like the knife, the, the tip of the blade went in my bone. And it like, it paralyzed me, my whole body because what I learned later what that was, was shock. And if I could describe when I found out that the dude got raped, the kid I was, you know, uh, went up north with, when I, it was like that same type of feeling. It, it paralyzed me, it shocked me. And I was like, oh shit. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of saw it coming because, you know, the way he responded. So one of the things that it taught me 
within that process early was, yo, you always got to keep your feelings sacred and control your shit because he was scared and he kept crying. And I was like, yo, yo, man, you don't need to do that right now. Like, you're fucking, you bugging. Like, just my common sense was like, if any of these lions see that weakness, they're going to go in for the kill. You know what I'm saying? And that was just based off of, like, stories I heard coming up and shit because I had never been up north yet. But once I, once I didn't witness it happen to him, I didn't witness it happen to him, but once I found out what happened, it's it, it like, it's one thing to hear stories, and then it's another right. thing to to be, you know, close to it and and take it in, and you're like, oh shit, like, yo, this shit is real. Know what I'm saying? So that was that was deep. And, and was the effect even more impactful that it was two black men? One abusing the next one and do you think it would have happened if it was in the street if the conditions was different if he would have never been to, went to prison you think he would ever got handled in that manner you think he froze up he might be in the bad spot as he froze. Yeah, I think he froze up, people. At the end of the day, we appreciate him for blessing our platform. Uh, we got a lot of information, uh, some stuff that y'all definitely gonna have to re-listen to this episode, and um, you'll be able to you know, you'll end up understanding a lot of the questions while, while I was asking him. And if you do some research on him, you'll see why I asked him, you know. Um, but with that being said, man, we appreciate y'all tuning in, man. This is Death of the Cloud Chaser TV, man. Y'all share this on all platforms, man. We're going to cut out the uh, first few minutes when there was no audio. And we're going to go from there, man. Salute, man. We appreciate you, man. And uh, this is Death of the Cloud Chaser TV, man.